0: Would you please turn with me to your study outline and your program, and as you're turning, let me welcome back those of you online. We are so glad that you're joining us for our study of God's Word, as well as our friends at Baptist Community Church in Arco, Idaho, and also Purpose Church in Kalispell, Montana. We are so glad that you're joining us uh, here today. We're continuing a series called Love Like That, Five Relationship Secrets from Jesus, uh, Learning to Love Other People Like Jesus Loves Us. And this is a uh, five-part series. We're in part four. We're going to finish it uh, next Sunday. But our theme verses for this series have been Ephesians chapter five, verses one and two. And so as we start, uh, let's watch this together. Part one, we talked about Jesus was mindful. Part two, we talked about how he was approachable. Last Sunday, we talked about how he was graceful. Today, we're going to talk about how he was bold. And next Sunday, we will finish up uh, the series. Uh, let me ask you a question. Were you ever in a lecture in college or in a classroom in high school where you didn't understand a thing the teacher or the professor was saying? Any, any, anybody be in that situation? And what would happen is uh, you wanted to raise your hand to ask a question, but nobody else was raising their hand, so you figured they understood what was going on, and so you didn't want to be the one that didn't understand what was going on, so you didn't either. And they were feeling the exact same way, but they weren't asking questions, Because nobody was asking questions, so nobody nobody asked them. Uh, Social scientists have a fancy term for this. They call it pluralistic ignorance. Pluralistic ignorance. It occurs whenever a group of people go along with something because they incorrectly assume everyone else understands it or accepts it. Uh, Pluralistic ignorance uh, leads uh, corporations to persist in failing business strategies. It leads governments to persist in failing foreign policies. Uh, Pluralistic ignorance leads good-intentioned church worshipers to go along with unhealthy religious leadership. Hans Christian Andersen was a Danish writer uh, famous for his fairy tales. And those of you that are younger will know him because uh, he wrote the the book uh, Little Mermaid that was made into a movie by Disney. Uh, If you're the parent of a five-year-old girl or the grandparent of a five-year-old girl, you probably have heard of Frozen. Anybody ever hear about that? Well, that was based on the Snow Queen uh, that he wrote. Uh, Disney made the movie Frozen. Well, he wrote a fable called The Emperor's New Clothes. And it was about a narcissistic emperor who was surrounded by all these yes-men and yes-women that would just agree with whatever he said, tell him exactly what he wanted to hear. So two con men come into town, they saw this and thought they could make a buck on it. And so um, they told, they announced to everybody that they were the top clothing designers in the world, and their clothes were somewhat magical, because you could only see their clothes if you were competent in your job or you were smart. If you were dumb or incompetent, you couldn't see the clothes. So the emperor gives them a ton of money to make these clothes so they pretend to go through all the motions making of the clothes and spinning of the cloth and all that kind of thing. They pretend to put clothes on the emperor. So the emperor, he look he, he can't see him. And so he's like, but I don't want to admit I'm incompetent or admit that I'm 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 not smart. And so he walks around the capital of the kingdom naked. And all the people see him naked, but they don't want to admit that they're incompetent or that they're stupid. And so they all say, oh, those are fantastic clothes. Oh, emperor, what wonderful clothes. Until finally a little boy cries out, the emperor has no clothes. The emperor has no clothes. And that's pluralistic ignorance. You can't shy away from what is true. It requires boldness. Jesus boldly shattered the pluralistic ignorance of his time. Let me repeat that. Jesus shattered the pluralistic ignorance of, of, of his time. If you want to love like Jesus, you can't shy away from what you know is right and true. Uh, it's not for the faint of heart. It's not for the chicken hearted. It's not for the cowardly. It takes bravery. It takes uh, being, being bold. Uh, Pastor Tomiko just had an outing with about 100 girls in the B building here, mainly from the community in which she challenged them to be brave, challenged them to be bold. It requires a bold commitment uh, to be be a truth teller. Martin Luther King Jr. said, to ignore evil is to become an accomplice to it. Jean-Jacques Rousseau uh, wrote, to see injustice and do nothing about that means to participate in it. You know, I'm so proud of Pastor Jarrett, uh, Pastor Jarrett's, uh, our worship Pastor and young adult pastor uh, he 's not here today by the way didn 't the worship team do a wonderful job with pastor uh, jarrett 's absence uh, I tell you all the all the ladies up there Letitia and samantha and, and joanne uh, just great and uh, Pastor Jarrett will be back next sunday but uh, why i 'm proud of Pastor Jarrett is he was an actor, had a role in the most controversial movie of the year, which is unplanned, most controversial. A movie in America this past year. He had a role in that. And here's the funny thing, kind of cool. I just read this week that Unplanned was banned in Canada. How cool is that, that one of our pastors was in a movie that was banned in Canada? How, how awesome is that? And I saw Jarrett uh, this past Friday. We work out at the same place. Um, We get different results, uh, unfortunately, uh, maybe because he's there more often than I am. And uh, he had on a a t-shirt of John 14, 6, where the scripture verse was written out. Now, John 14, 6 is the most controversial verse in the Bible, most offensive verse in the Bible, where Jesus boldly said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. And so he was wearing that when he, when he was working out, because that's just how Pastor Jarrett rolls. Well, let's look at the, the, the bold truth-telling of Jesus. Uh, the, it's very fascinating to me, uh, just the opposite of me. A lot of things of Jesus are the opposite of me, I admit. Uh, the group that Jesus confronted the most was the group that he most resembled, the, the one that was most like him. And I'm not that way. I tend to attack groups that are different than me. I'm harder on groups. I mean, aren't you harder on the other political party rather than the one that you connect with the most? Uh, Most people are. I, I know I am. Aren't you harder on groups that are the most dissimilar to you from the ones that are the most similar? Well, Jesus was the exact opposite. Jesus confronted most the group that he most resembled. Bible scholars tell us about the religious groups of his time. Uh, there were the Samaritans, and the Herodians, and the Essenes, and the Zealots, and the Sadducees. Uh, you know, the, they were the ones that didn't believe that there was a resurrection of the dead. That's why they were sad you see Okay, I know it's corny, I know it's corny, but it, you'll remember it now, alright? That's how you remember that they were the ones that didn't believe in the resurrection, because they were sad you see I'm so sorry, but that's I, 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 how I remember it. But scholars would say that Jesus, the rabbi from Nazareth, most closely matched the profile of a Pharisee. That's what he was, most likely, that's the profile he fit. I mean, he obeyed the Mosaic law. He quoted leading Pharisees. He often took their side in public arguments. Uh, The Pharisees devoted their lives to following God. Uh, They would uh, tithe down to a minute detail. Uh, Even the stuff that they owned, they would tithe down to the penny. I mean, even the stuff like the herbs that they had, which were expensive back then, they would tithe all of their stuff, their possessions, all of their finances to God's work. Uh, They obeyed the strict laws of the Torah. Uh, They held to traditional values and were model citizens. Um, Yet, Jesus was the hardest on them, even though he was the most like them. I mean, in just one sermon, in Matthew 23, in just one sermon, he calls them hypocrites seven times, fools two times, blind guides five times, and serpents and brood of vipers one time. In Luke 11, he's talking to a Pharisee, and the Lord Lord, uh, Jesus said to the Pharisee, now then you Pharisees, clean the outside of the cup. And dish, but inside you're full of greed and wickedness. You foolish people, did not the one who made the outside make the inside also? But now, as for what is inside, you being be generous to the poor, be generous to the poor, and everything will be clean for you. Wow, pause on that for a moment. Back to that verse. That is fascinating. That how how what a priority Jesus put on being generous to the poor. He said, Be generous to the poor, and everything will be clean uh, for you. Woe to you, Pharisees, because you give God a tenth of your mint, rue, and all other kinds of garden herbs, but you neglect justice and the love of God. You should have practiced the latter, that is, things like justice and the love of God, without leaving the former spiritual disciplines, like tithing, undone. Now, let's just hold on that uh, for just a moment. Uh, You should have done the latter, justice, love of other people, love of God, Without leaving the former, spiritual disciplines, the Ten Commandments, living a godly life, uh, tithing, uh, uh, undone. He said that both are important. I read the other day about a presidential candidate, I won't say who it was, uh, who earned $370,000 last year and only gave $1,000 to charity. And so a college student from the University of Virginia called him out on it, and and he said, well... I do community service so I don't need to give because I do community service. And Jesus would say to that politician, you should have practiced the latter without leaving the former undone. But there are many Christians who say, you know, as long as I serve in the church, I don't need to tithe. I don't need to give because I serve. And Jesus would say to those Christ followers, you should have practiced the latter without leaving the former undone. Now, there were about, in Jesus' time, about four million Jewish believers traveled from all over the Roman Empire uh, to Jerusalem for Passover. And the out-of-towners had to exchange their Roman coins for Jewish shekels uh, to pay the annual tax and to purchase animals uh, for, for sacrifice. And so the money changers, the exchangers of currency, they charge exorbitant rates that would cause these worshipers, uh, because of these exorbitant exchange rates that they had to do, because they had to get a sacrifice there, Uh, they had to exchange their money to pay the annual tax, Uh, it would cause these worshipers from all over the Roman Empire, many of them peasants, many of them quite poor, to go into debt. Sometimes they would lose their homes, their land, and their land stock uh, because of this. And so these money changers and the temple high priest, they were all in on this religious money-making scam. Uh, they would even rip off people even more by having them buy at exorbitant prices one of the, a lamb or if they were very poor, everything, all their money would go just to buy a dove and then the priest would come along and find a, quote, blemish in it and say, this one won't do, you've got to buy another one and so they'd have to do it all over again and it would just devastate them financially and it was just ripping off the poor and, and taking advantage of them completely. And, and, and we're very drawn to the mindful side of Jesus and the approachable side of Jesus and the graceful side of Jesus. But there's also the bold side of Jesus that calls out truth, that says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. And so we're going to stand before that Jesus in judgment someday, And so I just want to give you a moment right now, if you're watching online, you're listening later on on podcast, or if you're here, to right now, if you want to call on him as your Lord and Savior, you just need to call out, Jesus, right now, I open up my heart and receive you as the way, the truth, and the life, Uh, realizing that nobody comes to God the Father except through you. You, in the quietness of this moment, can just do that right now. Just call out to God. Or if you want more detail on it or want to pray with somebody about it, our prayer room at the end of the service is open or we'll have pastors here at the front uh, to pray with at the end if you would like to do that. But right now, you can prepare to stand before the Jesus that was not only love, he was also truth. And he boldly proclaimed it because he loves us and he doesn't want us to go to hell. He came so that we could go to heaven. Now, he was rarely this harsh like you just saw. That was that was unusual. Usually, it was more of a loving challenge. We'll see an example of this in Luke chapter 10. Uh, it says in Luke chapter 10, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, Don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Um, That's the end of the verse. (laughs) That's the last one, Glenn. All right. Uh, He was just lovingly challenging them. Just lovingly challenging them to to have the right priorities. And that's the way usually Jesus operated was more of a loving challenge rather than kind of a harsh turning the tables over like he did in the temple. Now what keeps us from being bold truth tellers? Uh, One word, fear. Fear of rejection, three words. The one thing that keeps us from being bold truth tellers is the fear of rejection. Uh, We're afraid that people won't accept us, won't approve of us. So we wear masks to protect ourselves um, from the sting of rejection and the fear that surrounds it. Les Parrott uh, says, if we wear our masks long enough, we may guard against rejection, but we'll never be true, we'll never be honest, we'll never be bold. And that means we'll never love like Jesus. And Lamott uh, writes, when people have seen you at your worst, you don't have to put on the masks as, as much. And that gives us license to try on that radical hat of liberation that hat of, of self-acceptance. Uh, Pastor Eric uh, led our staff through uh, coming up with 10 culture values for the leadership of our church, for the staff of our church, and he led us through that process. And one of the 10 that we came up with was fearless honesty, a uh, fearless honesty. How am I being open and real with God myself and, and with other people? It's based on 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 12. Now this is our boast, our conscience testifies that we have conducted ourselves in the world and especially in our relations with you with integrity and godly sincerity. We've done so relying not on worldly wisdom, but on God's grace. Alexander Solzhenitsyn said, we often err not because we find it hard to perceive the truth, it is often right there at the surface, but because it is easier and more pleasant to be guided by our feelings, especially if they're self-centered. Jesus said in In Luke 6, verse 26, woe to you when everyone speaks well of you, for that is how their ancestors treated the false prophets. And you know, this applies to telling other people about Jesus. Uh, When you love somebody, friends don't let friends go to heaven without, um, uh, or go to hell without hearing about the possibility of going to heaven. And we've got to overcome our fear of rejection in order to tell the truth to our friends, as um, the missionary we just had up here was just sharing about how she loved people enough that she went on the other side of the world just to make sure that sometime during their life they ran into somebody who was a follower of Jesus and who would share with them about Jesus. That's loving boldly. And we've got to love people enough to overcome our fear of rejection, Um, being bold enough to tell them about Jesus, Or bold enough just to share with somebody openly what Jesus has done in our lives. It's so funny how we can tell. I mean, I'm I'm talking about myself now. Please, you're just listening in on a conversation with myself. You know, I'm just talking in the mirror. How Glenn can enthusiastically tell somebody about his favorite movie that he just saw. Or enthusiastically tell somebody about, um, talk about sports and my favorite sports team. But all of a sudden, when it just comes to naturally talking about Jesus, which is another natural part of my life, all of a sudden, like, i just am afraid of rejection, afraid of what people might think about me if I share that way, a fear of being awkward. Uh, or maybe it's just overcoming the fear to invite them to church, your friend, your oikos. Oikos the Greek word for household. The 8 to 15 in your sphere of influence, who you work with, who you go to school with, who's in your neighborhood, just overcoming the fear enough to just invite them to church where I can tell him, or one of the other pastors can tell your friend about Jesus. David Dunitz is just a super smart guy within our church family. He and his wife Karen, uh, they were missionaries, church planters in Paris, France for 17 years. Uh, They are now back, and he got his Ph.D. at Claremont Grad School. Uh, He's now a professor at APU. And he wrote this academic paper on what's called the mum effect, which is the fear of telling people bad news, which paralyzes Christians because we don't want to tell anybody anything that would make them feel awkward. And so he talks about here. Here's a quote from his paper. The mum effect, you know, like being mum on something, not talking about something, or the reluctance that people feel to share bad news with others. People tend to remain quiet or mum about information that may be perceived negatively by other people. And I want you to know, my mission as your pastor, our mission as your church, is to make it as easy as possible to overcome the mum effect. Because we love your oikos like you love your oikos. And our goal is to provide opportunities. I mean, that's why we do the Fairplex. That's why we do Journey to Bethlehem. That's why we do all these things. It's not for Christian entertainment. Uh, You know, we've got all of eternity to be entertained in heaven. We do it to overcome the mum effect. We, we do it in order to make it as easy as possible to overcome the fear of reaction, rejection, to make it as natural as, as possible to invite our friends someplace where other people can share the gospel with them if you just find it hard to do that or to share your own story uh, with them. And I just want you to know, something's gonna happen on Father's Day, which I am so excited about, I don't know if I'm gonna sleep between now and Father's Day. Uh, Sean McDowell is going to be here he is the top if not one of the top along with Ravi Zacharias and several others he is probably one of the top 5 defenders of the Christian faith what we call apologetics the defense of the Christian faith giving answers to our friends for barriers that keep them from, from Jesus he's probably one of the top 5 in the world today and here's what's so exciting my my assistant Tina uh, she's not here, so I can't embarrass her right now. So Justin, tell her that I embarrassed her. Okay, she worked out a deal with Sean McDowell. Tina can cut a deal with anybody, can't she? I'm telling you. And, and, and I, I, I came up with the idea, but I had Tina ask it because I didn't want to have the fear of rejection. So at any rate, so I, I came up with the idea, but I had Tina call his people and say, would you be willing to do three different messages that day? One at 8.30, a different one at 9.45, and a different one at 11.11. And here's what we're going to do, and I invite you to email me in the next 48 hours because we're going to call them back with our topics on Tuesday, or Tina's going to call them back on Tuesday in case they might reject it. Okay, I don't want to hear that. So at any rate, she's going to call back on Tuesday. And what we want to do is we want to come up with the three biggest barriers that your oikos has to following Jesus. We want to come up with three topics that are the biggest mountains to climb, the, the biggest barriers that keep them from Jesus, and then we're going to ask him, when we come up with those top three, we're going to ask him to preach on one of them at 8.30, one of them at 9.45, one of them at 11.11. I mean, we are basically going to have an apologetics conference right here at our church on Father's Day Sunday morning, and it is going to be absolutely, uh, absolutely uh, awesome. Uh, how bold are, are you? How bold am I? On the bottom of the next page of your study outline, you'll see like a little test you can take to test yourself in 10 different areas. Number one, I'll put number one up there. My friends would say I'm transparent, straightforward, and direct. If I have a problem with someone, I meet with them as soon as I can to get it ironed out rather than sulking or whining about it. I speak out if someone is not being treated fairly, even if it means risking rejection. I'm bold when it comes to saying what needs to be said or doing what needs to be done. When my conviction is strong, I couldn't care less what others think of me. I feel urgent about making things right when something is wrong in one of my relationships. I take immediate action to make it better. I feel congruent between my real self and the self I present to others. I sometimes make people feel uncomfortable because I'm a straight shooter who doesn't put up with deceit or hypocrisy. I'd rather be genuine than win uh, approval. I'm not afraid of rejection by others. And to overcome that natural fear of rejection, to be bold like uh, Jesus was bold. Now, what Jesus taught us about boldly speaking the truth. Adrian Rogers, not to be confused with Aaron Rogers. Aaron Rogers is good with a football. Adrian Rogers is good with a Bible. And uh, here's what he said. It is better to be divided by truth than to be united by error. It is better to be divided by truth than to be united by error. Martin Luther said, a peace if possible, truth at all costs. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 5, he said, if you know somebody has something against you, go to them. Work it out. And then he switches it around in Matthew 18. Does uh, somebody sinned against you? Or has somebody sinned in a, in a certain area? go to them in humility and graciousness and love and confront them about that thing. Uh, someone uh, I came across this week wrote this, and they did it anonymously. I don't, I don't even know who to credit for this. It's not fun to tell a friend he needs a breath mint or to zip up his zipper. But those things pale in comparison to lovingly telling a friend that he's ruining his marriage by his actions or that she's forfeiting her parental responsibility by not engaging with her kids. Uh, Henry Cloud um, uh, tells a true story about a business owner of a major business that he built from scratch, this business uh, man, and uh, he was preparing to turn it over to his son and he had a three-year plan for his son to be a successor and had trained him and groomed him to be a successor. But then one day he's out on the factory floor and he sees his son ripping into an employee in front of other employees just shredding, humiliating this employee in front of a bunch of other employees. And so he motions to his son, I want to see you in my office. And he says, son, I wear two hats. One hat is as your father, and another hat is uh, as your boss. And I'm putting my boss hat on right now. Son, you're fired. You're, you're fired from your job. Now I'm going to take off my boss hat, and I'm going to put on my father's hat. Son, I heard that you lost your job. I'm so sorry. Uh, Is is, is there anything I can do? Is there anything I can do to help you? Uh, Psalm 27, 6 in the Amplified Bible said, Faithful are the wounds of a friend who corrects out of love and concern, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful because they serve his hidden agenda. Let's wrap up. How to be a better and bolder truth teller. Uh, C.S. Lewis writes, To love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will be wrung and possibly be broken. If you want to be sure of keeping your heart intact, you must give your heart to no one, not even to an animal. Wrap it carefully around with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safely in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken it will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. The only place outside of heaven where you can be perfectly safe from the dangers of love is in hell. Here's our theme verse as a church family. Ephesians 4.15, instead speaking the truth in love. You know what I want for Purpose Church more than anything else? I want us to be a place of Christ followers where we boldly speak the truth even if it brings about rejection but we always do it with humility and graciousness and love. That we love like that. We love like Jesus. We love boldly, but we do it full of grace. We do it mindful, and we do it uh, uh, approachable as well. Now, I want to do something different here at the end of our service. I'm going to ask some of the other pastors to come up here to the front. Uh, Let's all stand together. And we're going to close with uh, a praise song right now. And you know what I just felt led by the Holy Spirit to, to challenge us about right now? Is let's, let's pray that God will make us bold. And, and, and I'm just going to invite anybody that feels led to do it. You can do it where you are. You can do it where you're seated. You can do it if you're watching online. But I'm just going to invite, if you'd like somebody to pray with you that God would help you to be bold in a certain area. Think of a certain area of your life or a certain person or a certain relationship or a certain area where you need to be bold. And and I would just invite you either where you are, if you'd like to come up and pray with Pastor Tomiko or Pastor Lisa or Pastor Sham or Pastor Greg or Pastor Randy, if you would just like to to pray with them and say, God, uh, help me to be bold in this particular area where I find it hard to be bold and to love like Jesus. So come on down if God is leading you to pray uh, about that thing. Let's sing together.